0: Well, good morning. I once again am not Pastor Alex Shipman. Uh, My name is Amos Williams. I am the uh, pastoral intern here. I serve as the um, outreach and small group coordinator for uh, the Village Church, and it is my honor and my privilege to be able to stand before you all again today and to proclaim God's word. The text that we read earlier from James chapter 4. Is our text for today. So if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open up to James chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 11 and 12. Now, if you have been keeping up with uh, My preaching series through the book of James, this has been rolling on for a couple of years now. And also, if you've been keeping up with uh, my preaching um, through this series over the past couple of weeks, you're also acquainted with the fact that I have been meaning to preach this exact text for a while. Preparing this sermon has has been difficult for me. I was I was supposed to preach this text twice already, but for for some reason, I never felt comfortable with it. And I've been I've been told by many wise pastors and preachers that if a sermon does not move you first, if it does not convict you first, if it does not call you to faith and repentance under the truth of the gospel first then you should not preach that sermon because you cannot deliver a gospel truth that is not true to you. If you don't believe it, then the people to whom you preach will not believe it either. So I had to sit under the weight of these words for a while. They had to become real to me. I had to feel them. I had to Repent for the things in my own heart. So I will say to you today, my brothers and sisters, if you listen to the words of this sermon today and you think about someone else's sin and not your own, you need to repent. You need to repent and ask the spirit to reveal the sin in your own heart, just like I had to, just like I continue to have to. You need to ask the spirit to continue to conform you to the image of Christ in this particular area that our text addresses today. My brothers and sisters, I'm not going to make any friends with this sermon today. I don't I don't mean to. Some people may say that with this with this word that I'm going to preach today, they they may say that I've gone too far. And some may say that I didn't quite go far enough, but I've done my soul searching, and now I'm comfortable with whatever the outcome may be. Words. Words have power. Although they may be intangible and invisible, words have immense power. And immeasurable power. It is through words and with words. That God created the cosmos. Ex nihilo. It is with words that God cursed. That evil serpent. After the fall. It is with words that God cut. An everlasting covenant with his. Beloved people. A few examples. Of. Some famous words that have impacted generations of men and women. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Wars. Come and go, but my soldiers stay eternal. Tupac. And still I rise. Maya Angelou. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. The rock was landed on us. Malcolm X. Words like these and others have had a lasting impact on the world and their sound continues to reverberate throughout the generations. Now, in verses 11 and 12 of James chapter 4, this is the second time in this letter that James has called our attention to the power of our speech as he begins to sum up this section of the letters of the letter. Now, one of my pet peeves is to be asked the same question after I've already said no. There's just something that, that it just ticks me off about hearing the same thing more than once. But James is showing us in, the, in this letter that stubborn people need to be reminded quickly lest we forget. And these two verses get at the heart of what James has been discussing In the letter for the last chapter and a half with regard to speech and Christian character. His words are a reminder that we all need, especially due to the state of the world today. You see, the United States is as politically polarized as it has ever been. Relations among People of different ethnicities are as divided as they've ever been. Tragically, people that call themselves Christian are as divided as they have ever been. And this text is yet another reminder that Christians need to consider who they are before they speak. James is basically telling us. Watch your mouth and don't let your mouth write a check that your behind can't cash. Now, in verse eight of this same chapter, verse eight of chapter four, James uses a stern tone with some of his readers, calling them sinners and double minded. But in verse eleven, he returns to addressing them as his brother's. And sisters now, calling them brothers and sisters signifies that he has a re, a a unique relationship with them ethnically, but also. As those who have been redeemed by Christ, so his relationship is twofold ethnically and as brothers and sisters redeemed by Christ. And there is a strong imperative here in verse 11, as James commands them not to speak evil against one another. Speaking evil against one another can be understood as slander. It can be understood as slandering. And this is not simply holding someone accountable with firm speech. No, my brothers and sisters. Slandering is dehumanizing speech. It is degrading speech that dehumanizes people. It is what people often refer to as defamation. This type of speech is something that could cause modern day men and women to have a day in court. This type of speech not only impacts the person, but it impacts the community around them. It it impacts the community at large. A few weeks ago, my wife and I watched a movie about a man named Brian Banks. Brian Banks was a football player who aspired to play in the National Football League. Now, Brian was, was what you would call a sure thing. He was a he was a sure thing to make it to the NFL. He was incredibly talented and some would even say gifted to play the sport of football. But Brian's life was derailed because he became the victim of slander. He was falsely accused of a, sec, uh, a sexual crime and he was imprisoned. An innocent man locked behind bars because of slander an innocent man taken away from his family because of slander his dreams crushed because of slander and the pain and suffering from being slandered didn't stop there because brian because brian was slandered And subsequently convicted of a crime that he did not commit, it became difficult for him to find work. It became difficult for him to fit in with society. It was difficult for him to create meaningful relationships. He lived for a time on the margins of society. So the slander that he experienced not only impacted him, but it impacted the community around him. Changed his life trajectory completely all because of slander. Now, my brothers and sisters, the world finds itself in a polarized time right now. The nation is polarized. The church, unfortunately, is polarized right now because many of us are at each each other's throats, accusing our brothers and sisters of things that are simply not true. But my brothers and sisters, now is not the time to be slandering your brothers and your sisters in Christ. You see, our world is a dangerous place because mass communication is right at our fingertips. We have mastered the art of masquerading our condescension as genuine critique or concern. We've mastered the art of slandering people with Christian ease and with dressing up our slander with a few out of context Bible verses that make us feel comfortable with our pride. But James is telling us that this type of behavior has to stop. This type of behavior is not becoming of Christian character. It is dangerous, very dangerous, cosmically dangerous. In verse 11, we continue to see that the reason that slandering a brother is so dangerous, cosmically dangerous, is because when we slander our brother or sister... We slander and judge the law of God. When we slander, when we say false things, things that are simply not true about our brother or sister, we slander and judge the law of God. In Leviticus 19.16, uh, the, the slandering of your neighbor is strictly prohibited because it is unloving it's unloving slander is directly contradictory to the to the love commandment which is also found in Leviticus 19 verse 18 James calls love for one's neighbor the fulfillment of the royal law in chapter 2 verse number 8 The law that James is speaking of here is none other than the Mosaic law. But James understands the law as it is obeyed by Christians through Christ's death and resurrection in a new covenant context. So by slandering your brother or sister in Christ, you are being unloving and you defame God's law and you set yourself above the law of God. You become an embarrassment to the law of God. This is the holy, eternal, life-giving, life-sustaining law of God. And by slandering your brother or your sister in Christ, you in essence say that God's law is inadequate. It is insufficient. And you say to yourself that I know what is best for my brother or sister. I know what is right and good and just without the guidance of a holy God. In your mind. You take God from the throne and you say, God, you're not getting the job done the way I think you should. So let me take a seat on your throne for a little while. You arrogantly say to yourself, you know what's best for other people because they're too ignorant, too blind, too intellectually uninformed, too historically, too historically underdeveloped or just too plain stupid to understand what's best for them. But I'll fix them. Without God. But when you do this, you swap places with God. You put yourself. In the place of God Almighty. You try to reverse roles with God. You are no longer a humble doer of the just and holy law of God. But you have pridefully made yourself into an idol. We all know what God loves to do to idols. He crushes them. He crushes them. He utterly destroys them. So James is quick to remind us that there is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. Now this language of of saving and destroying reminds us of the words of Jesus in Matthew 10, verse number 28. Jesus says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. My brothers and sisters, God is not Congress. God is not Parliament. He does not sit on the Supreme Court of the United States. And in the black church, they would say God is the one who rules And superrules the universe he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords he is god almighty he is alpha and omega he is the only the one and only lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy the psalms say that our god sits in the heavens and he laughs at the schemes of his enemies the song in, in the book of daniel we see how King Nebuchadnezzar was taken from his his boasting and he was humbled. He was turned into a beast of a man. this is what God does to those who would impose on his glory. My brothers and sisters, our God does not share his glory. Our God made the Egyptian pharaohs bend the knee. He questioned Job and asked Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And my brothers and sisters here in verse 12, James makes it perfectly, perfectly clear after he makes it perfectly clear that there is only one lawgiver and judge. There is only one question left. There is only one reality left after we recognize that there is only one lawgiver and judge. There's only one question left theres only one reality left after we recognize that theres only one lawgiver and judge theres only one question To ask, and James asks, who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words, James asks, who in the world do you think you are? So my brothers and sisters, the next time that you feel so led to judge your neighbor, ask yourself this question or say to yourself have a conversation with yourself then ask yourself who do you think you are because this person is made in the image of God this person is beautifully and Fearfully and wonderfully made. This person is my brother or sister in Christ bought by the precious redeeming blood of Jesus. How dare I approach God's beloved and precious child with such disrespect and dishonor? Who in the world do I think I am? We're living in a polarized time, my brothers and sisters. We can't ignore it. It's right there in our face. The tension in the world, in our nation, is thick enough to cut with a knife. But as you engage your brothers and sisters in Christ, I have three points of practical application that I want you to consider as you engage your brothers and sisters. First one, don't assume the worst about your brother or sister in Christ. Be charitable. That's a tough one for me because I think I know what people have in their heart. I'm not God. You're not God. So don't assume the worst about a brother or sister in Christ because when you, where you see malice, there may actually only be ignorance. Now, ignorance is not an excuse for error. I never say that. But if it's ignorance rather than malice, there may be an opportunity for education. And through prayer and through the work of the Holy Spirit, perhaps there may even be an opportunity for genuine change. Two, get the log out of your own eye first Before you try to get the speck out of someone else's eye. My dad used to say. When you point a finger at someone. You got three pointed right back at you. So before you get filled with your false sense of righteous indignation. That is actually no righteous indignation at all. But pride. Check your own heart. Third. Perhaps you should ask yourself a series of questions, especially on social media. Perhaps you should ask yourself a series of questions before you say something that may harm your relationship with your neighbor, your brother or sister in Christ, one who is in close proximity with you. Does this need to be said? Does this need to be said by me? Does this need to be said by me right now? Does this need to be said by me through this particular medium? Does this glorify God? My brothers and sisters. My encouragement. you today consider who you are are you the lawgiver are you the judge consider who your brother or sister in Christ is are they made in the image of God too are they beloved of Christ as well There is one who took slander on our behalf. Y'all know where I'm going with this. He was ridiculed. False accusations were made against him. If Jesus already took this burden of being falsely accused, slandered, defamed, degraded, dehumanized, if he's already taken that burden from his brothers and sisters, don't put that burden back on your brother or sister. Jesus has already borne that burden. But he did command us to love. So if what is getting ready to proceed from your mouth, from your lips, could be considered unloving, I'm not saying don't hold people accountable. It's a whole nother conversation because we need accountability these days. My God, we need some accountability for sure. But if what you're getting ready to say, if the words that will proceed from your mouth do not glorify God and they are unloving. Take a rain check. Because Jesus has already borne that burden for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven. We thank you. For. The grace that you give us. If there was. Any being. Who could hold our sin against us. Who could punish us. Throw our sinfulness up in our faces and be completely just in doing so. It is you. But by your grace and your mercy, you decided not to do that. Lord Jesus, you bore our shame and guilt and embarrassment. This is the story about a hero dying for a villain. What an amazing truth and reality that is. We get to experience that our holy and perfect God does not slander us. But he calls those who were formerly his enemies, his beloved children. and prepares a place of glory for us that we will we will one day get to see him as he is we will take off our imperfections and we will put on the perfection the total complete perfection of Christ in glory some people get excited about cars and Money and other resources, but I, the church should get excited about the fact that we're yours, God. We belong to you. And in the midst of troubled and turbulent times, help us to cling to that hope. We don't have anything else, everything else is temporary and fleeting. God, we thank you. It is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.